0: Hello, my name is Ashley Stora smith and this is Question 26, the Students' Union podcast. Today on Officer Stories, we spoke to Dennis, who is the Activities Officer at the University of Nottingham Students' Union. We spoke about lots of different things, including how it's like to be an officer during COVID-19, how to collaborate between officers while working remotely, and accountability and scrutiny panels. Thank you, Dennis, for joining us today. Um, introduce yourself. Give us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. My name is Dennis. Uh, my pronouncer here. Here, I'm the activities officer and freshly started at the University of Nottingham Students Union. Um, yeah, that's me. I used to be our part-time officer, the international students officer last year. So I guess my transition wasn't the biggest or like the hardest to go through, but obviously this new world <laughs> that we live in so yeah
0: indeed so what kind of made you want to be a sabbatical officer what kind of got you to put your nomination or put your nomination in
1: um you know i think it's a very interesting question i think there are definitely several aspects to why i have decided to run for the position um I think since my very like first days at the university, I've been very involved in the Students' Union. I was at my Halls Committee, I've joined a few societies in my first year. But I think as time moved on, since my first year, I've like kind of progressed in uh, like different societies I've joined. So I became a captain in our Dance Society. I've also joined a bit more different student opportunities, like I've joined a sports club, I was a part of cheerleading, I was uh, involved with the international students life and then um, eventually in my second year I um, ran for the position of a part-time international students officer, which I then got and was in the role for a year in my final year at the university. And I was also involved in our RAG, so like our fundraising service and our biggest volunteering programme, which is our welcome programme, which obviously is a bit like, like, yeah, the people who organise the welcome week and like the beginning at the university for the new students. So yeah, I think all of those things have definitely combined to like me being very involved with the Students' Union, but also uh, really wanting to improve our like the democratic aspect um, of it and especially I think as activities officer and like in my role a lot of times what I have seen previously in my union is that the person running for the activities role kind of was wasn't necessarily the person who had um a lot in mind for people who aren't very engaged, whilst I ran on a manifesto that was focused around inclusivity and accessibility in our student activities, and how we can really make sure that our, yeah, opportunities, activities, events are accessible and like inclusive for all at the university.
0: Oh, yeah, that's really interesting, I don't know how you had time to actually do your degree throughout all that also um
1: yeah you know we will not talk about how my degree went <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I will not ask do not worry so um yeah so I say you're newly uh full-time officer so the the big question I think kind of the reason that I I set up this series to ask officers about is how has that been how has your first kind of month and a bit as a uh, full-time officer been kind of at home and not having that experience of training with other officers physically or even just being in an office environment? You know,
1: shambolic. I'm not sure if it's an appropriate word to use but I genuinely would describe it as a very chaotic, shambolic first month. Um, Well, yeah, just over a month now. Uh, It's obviously been not quite what I have expected when I ran for the position Uh, but at the same time, I feel like there are opportunities in a way that we're doing it now. so obviously um, as a full-time officer team we're a bit more forced to communicate regularly with each other because obviously we don't get to see each other all the time. Um, same was like training and things. I think if anything it bonded us better as a team because obviously we kind of had to figure it all out together whilst being completely different places in the UK. Um, so, yeah, I it, it was a, a weird one. I think, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it.
0: No, I was saying, I think I think it is something that no one really knows how to react to this point and will be very much a, when we're having officers leave at the end of the year, actually trying to think back on how we can improve mm. it, no matter if we are physical or still online by then. Um, so kind of tilting back to what you were saying earlier about kind of how you ran on a very different ticket around kind of inclusivity and accessibility and engaging students who don't engage with activities um, at your union so what um give us a bit more about that kind of what what was the original thoughts when you're running around kind of those areas
1: you know I think obviously Due to my background and me being an international student, and I know that when I arrived in the UK, like, I did not know one single person in the country. And three years later, I had an amazing, like, supportive network of people at the university who have helped me campaign, who, like, backed me all the way getting the role and stuff. Um, I really know how student activities have shaped me as a person, but also provided that safe space for me where I could express myself, discover myself, um, learn more about others but also how I am because I guess for a lot of students when they arrive at the university it's like the first time away from parents or like home and they really get the chance to explore what they are by themselves Um, and I think student activities and opportunities really provide a platform for it and um, like gives you the chance to explore what you enjoy, like maybe try things you've never considered before, but I am also aware that a lot of the things I've joined were because of my personality and because I'm very outgoing and extroverted and I just wanted to try everything. And I know that that is not the case for all other students, whether they can be international or from any other um, like traditional minority group at the university. Um and I wanted to make sure that all students are able to get the experience if they want to, and that would like I really want to tear down the barriers to engage with the union and student activities here at Nottingham. So I think that's how I came about my manifesto and that's why I ran for the position how I ran. Um, because oftentimes I know activities officers Obviously, because they usually have experience in different activities, they would think of how they would change. I don't know the um, the structure of like activities, networking, or like um, rearrange. I don't know activities, councils, societies, um, things like that. You know, uh, they would improve things for the people that are already engaged, which is also a big aspect of it, and part of my manifesto did focus on it as well. But I think my main points were around accessibility and because like all students are able to vote for the full-time officer position. So I did really want to cater my manifesto to all students, not just the already involved ones. I'm not sure if I'm making sense, you know,
0: but, yeah. You are, do not worry. Um, <laughs> so continuing on from that, uh, talking about kind of engaging those students who may not uh, originally engage with the students' union or may not may not feel like they can, how is that going to work now that we have students that are probably going to be even more isolated uh, than they would be if they were on campus in a halls room or in a private let kind of what, what's your thoughts on that area
1: um you know it's obviously yeah like when i wrote my manifesto it was february january time so i obviously couldn't really foresee what was going to happen with the world in that short period of time. But um, I believe that a lot of aspects of it, um, thinking of engagement and inclusivity and accessibility and things like that. um, If anything, the current situation emphasizes how important it is and how some people get disadvantaged through obviously, like there is a digital gap uh, with how people can engage. Again, international students might be all over the world. There's time difference. And I think, if anything, it made me rethink of not that what my priority is, because it remains the same, but more how I will deliver it. Um, so I really focused on how our media engagement, like our online engagement can be improved. And, uh, I know that for the upcoming Welcome Week and moving onwards, I really tried to think of how different events and um even how societies can run in a way that they both have an option of potentially socially distance events to allow for that student experience, but also have an online alternative for people who might not be um, able to join the socially distance events for whatever reasons. Um, so if anything, I wouldn't say it changed my priorities uh, because of the nature of my manifesto, but it changed the way I'm going about it and like, how I would want to deliver it.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely kind of with what your manifesto was around um, around engaging those harder to engage groups and promoting more inclusivity uh, within uh, student activities. It's, it's one of those universal things, no matter what. But yeah, the how is the big question. I think there's going to be a lot of activities officers out there who are having those same questions of, I want to make our um, our activities and our events and everything inclusive, but it's Kind of how do we do that, so I think it's important to kind of think about that about kind of how are you looking at making those things um, more inclusive kind of what what um issues did did you see um as a student that made kind of those activities um and those societies exclusive, and how are you thinking about breaking down those barriers
1: um I think big part of how I saw it as a student was that um, when you join an activity or a special activities I was involved in like let's say dance and cheerleading um, they were very largely dominated by the home students community Um, and I think the lack of that like representation or like inability to see people like you in the student activities is definitely something that puts people off. Um, I also know from the very recent EDI report that has been conducted by our previous Equal uh, equal Opportunities and Welfare Officer that's been just released a couple of days ago at OSU has shown that there are similar experience for other minority groups and how they find it harder to engage with activities because they don't see anyone like themselves in those activities. So I think that's probably what was the biggest thing for me as as a student. But I think the more I learned about different activities and like the further I got engaged with the union, I realized part of it is probably that we need to improve the training for our student leaders for our societies, um, especially with regards to signposting and identifying different issues that people might have. Um, and get people thinking, you know, about them and being aware of them. I think it's the first point of call because once you're aware that other people might witness this different um, concerns or issues and so on and so forth, then you can start thinking of how you can mitigate for it and how you can improve your specific like, society or student group. But I think it very much does differ from student group to student group. And I think the approach should be really tailored for each of them because... Of the nature of how different they are, like I'm coming from a massive students' union. We have thirty-four thousand students. We have three hundred twenty student groups and seventy-five sports clubs. You know, it's um, it's a very diverse range of activities for a very diverse um, student population. So I think it is important to really sit down and think how different types of student activities engage different people. Um, I think the other issue, not issue, the other way I start thinking about it now is that it's really hard to make every single event equally inclusive for every type uh, of student because of how I said like you would want to engage with events that you feel like cater for your for people similar to you based on interests or your identity or whatever so I think having a wider range of opportunities and provide like those different options, like Leter said, both in person and online, both um, morning activities and evening activities, you know, alcohol based and non alcohol based. The range is really what caters for different types of students, I believe.
0: Yeah, and I think um, going on to that kind of range aspect of activities, um, how, how is um, Nottingham University and Students' Union? um comes to kind of their central activities when it comes to inclusivity. Is that something that has been pushed along quite far or is something quite new for actually kind of the centrally run activities, not the stuff that's run by societies? Um, no, so I
1: believe our both our SU and the university are quite good at running central activities, especially in the beginning of the year, so was welcome because it is largely um, as student-led as it is it is largely run like as a central thing and other societies as do groups, um, sports clubs are able to feed into it via different channels like we have tried program where people can like try new things for free or like the cheaper than normal price. Um, obviously like normal like get involved, welcome fair, things like that. but we do have those central activities but I think this year is more important than ever to have this, clear communication between the university and the SU and student groups and really work, work collaboratively to make it as inclusive as possible for uh, people to get involved um, because of, of, the, of the current situation and how how important it is for people to be brought together and feel like they're part of something bigger um, when it can be quite lonely because obviously, like people are at their homes or might not necessarily be on campus and things like that um yeah i'm not sure if i'm um rumbling a bit and going off tangent but you're just kind of having all these thoughts in my head you know
0: you're not at all i think i think that is the the life of an officer is is uh is going through many different thoughts at the same time as you're kind of have have over have overarching areas that you have to work with so it's completely Mm -hmm. fine do not worry so um Kind of then looking forward, so looking at kind of your first term or semester, um, however it is set up and there, kind of what what kind of big things that you want to achieve within that um, uh, within that time frame and kind of what projects you may be looking at kind of launching within that time frame, if you can give us a sneak peek. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've definitely. Um, so I think. Let's start from where I am now. So at the moment, I'm trying to reshape my manifesto which I run into like proper, tangible um, objectives that I can be scrutinized upon. And um, obviously, they had to be slightly adjusted to the current situation because when I wrote my manifesto, it wasn't necessarily COVID friendly. Um, And what helped me with it is thinking of why I put something on my manifesto rather than the actual outcome I wanted with it. So let's say rather than say, I will improve training for societies, I'm thinking, oh, why is it? So I thought, obviously, I would like society leaders to be able to signpost students in distress. So if they see someone as excluded, like how they can um, work with that. So how do I make them more inclusive? And then I work from there rather than just think of the training. Um, and based on that, I think I've started really developing like my plans for the first term. And some of the first things that came up is, as I said, training for societies and how, rather than making it bigger, I'm trying to think of how I can make it more accessible for all student groups to engage with and more engaging in the current situation to ensure that the, our student leaders are uh, empowered to lead the student groups how they, um, well, to be the best that they can be. Really, So that's definitely one of the first things is the training for student groups because it is Obviously, as soon as people are coming back and everything goes back to active again, like I feel like I want our students to be empowered to lead on the activities they want to lead on. Um, in addition to it, um, I have started working with like different staff members and see how my objectives would fit uh, fit into like their work and um, how we can potentially set up. Like some of my projects, I, I'm i thinking of like what I can give you as a sneak peek just at the moment. Because, you know, when I communicate to the societies and the student groups and the students, I obviously do like updates week by week, but I don't necessarily go too far ahead. So I'm trying to think how, how I can phrase it in a way that doesn't put anyone in distress, you know. Um, I think one of the things I worked on is rearranging like the welcome fan, making it, putting it online and really increase the engagement with our students' union and um, see how how societies are able to still have this live interaction with the new students and recruit the students um, without being able to communicate face to face. Um, So like we are currently creating a Teams uh, welcome fair like a Microsoft Teams one, which was actually brought up to me as an idea by one of our student groups, our radio station, which I am forever grateful for now, because that is literally what we're going forward with. Um, Some other things that I've been working on is um, so to be able to tailor my support to different student groups and different students, I'm like currently sorting out what societies and student groups will have and trying to re- type them or like think of how I can group them and see how each of those groups of societies, let's say, think of career-based societies specifically or course-based societies or performance-based and how I can support them differently Um, because I believe that until now we took a lot more of a, a blanket rule approach to all of them and I don't think it works anymore with so many student groups so I definitely think rethinking of how I can support each individually will help. Um, One of the other things that I've um, said I was going to do and I am doing already is meeting individually with different student groups, um, especially so at our union we have something called student-run services so those are kind of services extended by the union but completely run by students and I have met with each of them such as like Nightline or our RAG or media groups to see what support they would need from me, especially like if they have um, offices or buildings uh, within the union and how we can support them through like reopening procedures and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, I think those were my first priorities so far.
0: Yeah, I I think that's very interesting because I think a lot of activities officers are going to have those worries of what do we do for a welcome fair? How how do we get students to um, actually... Uh, sign up to and engage with societies how how are we going to get um sports teams to do trials all all those kind of big questions are sports teams are going to compete like it's something that i think for activities officers especially it, the remit of that is so kind of physical and so um connected through meeting with rooms using specialist spaces and uh and having kind of those signups and regular face-to-face interactions that it is a complete change where if we look at say um, uh, education officers with course reps that stuff can be much easily transitioned to an online system so going kind of back to an earlier part of your conversations I think it's uh, something very interesting is around kind of you talk about accountability and kind of how you've changed your manifesto and and around kind of how that public accountability works for you in your role do you want to kind of elaborate that on a little bit
1: yeah um I wouldn't say I've changed my manifesto that 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 wouldn't be very transparent of me would it but I um yeah I definitely start working on reshaping it into things that are a lot easier to not necessarily quantify but judge me upon Um, so I haven't completed that procedure and i'm not even sure if all students union do something similar but basically what we do every year when officers are elected on their manifestos we take them and we rephrase them or like reform them into objectives and those objectives will go to our scrutiny panel who will be scrutinizing us throughout the year upon those um and obviously i wouldn't do something completely out of the blue or something that's not in my manifesto but what I am doing is making sure that let's say some of my less research points or a bit more vague ones that were in the manifesto let's say um, improved representation for all student groups um, is a bit more broken down into what I'm actually going to do such as I'll meet with different types of student groups I'll retype them and reassign the types of them then I'll think of what tailored support each of them would need and so on and so forth and hopefully also put it like onto a timeline. So let's say by this point I will know um, what the types of student groups will have and then by a month later I would know like which um, which support each of them need and then one month later I would know how to provide that support if I'm making sense. At um, I- big part of it was, at the moment, is literally to rethink my whole manifesto within the context of COVID-19. Um, and luckily, because of the nature of my manifesto, it wasn't too dissimilar, because most of my things were to create something more accessible, and so on and so forth. There were some other things, like we're campus-based universities, so we have different campuses, so uniting campuses was a big priority of mine. and. Obviously, my physical presence at different campuses is not quite possible at the moment. Um, It's not even possible at the main campus. You know, I'm just at home. So I was trying to have meetings with people representing our different campuses via, um, well, different online platforms, really, and see how that's going to work. And if anything, it was a bit eye opening because, you know nothing stops us from still being able to have a Teams call, like a Skype call, a Zoom call, once we are in a world where we can't see each other in person. But somehow people just don't use that um, to the same extent normally. Um, and, you know, it did really open my eyes on how we can communicate a lot more efficiently uh, with other, other campuses and stuff. So, yeah. Um, sorry, could you, like, repeat the question with regards to Changing my manifest and stuff. Oh, accountability. Sorry. I do remember now. Yeah. And the reason we're doing all of that and having scrutinizable, if that's a word, thats not, objectives is that so people or like scrutiny panel, but also other students can look at what we're aiming to achieve and really like follow our progress. So I've been trying to put like weekly updates of what I've been doing, what I'm up to like next week. Um, I went live um, last week because I thought it's important to still be able to have this like live conversation with people. So it's not like everything I put out is super thought through, but that people can actually ask me questions on the spot and see what my priorities are and what I'm doing. So I do think it is very important to keep this transparent and uh, be accountable to the students who voted and like elected you. Um, n- not sure what else you would want to know about it.
0: So uh, it's something I do want to kind of dig into around accountability because I know uh, not many students unions have a scrutiny panel model. So could you kind of just give us a quick explanation about what that is and maybe even a little bit of how it works in in your students union? Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: So at the moment, our scrutiny panel consists of, I believe, five students that are elected every year, like at the same time as officers are elected or like all our other democratic committees. Um, So there will be elected student representatives who will ask um, officers, uh, full-time officers, to submit um, like a report prior to scrutiny panel that they can like look and see everything we've been working on. And they are judging us based on like our manifest objectives, which I've mentioned, our work in our remit and work on the policies that are assigned to us as officers by like, the Union Council. Um, so we report our progress and then prior to the scrutiny panel, um, then they're able to ask us questions and we we'll provide answers to those. And then we come to the actual scrutiny panel meeting and any student is able to attend those meetings. Um, but only the scrutiny panel are the people who like actually give us like grades um, and like see what they find sufficient or not but like anyone can ask us questions and like scrutinize us on the spot there and then we'll have like a neutral facilitator who will be asking us questions or like leading the discussion if that makes sense or like facilitating the whole meeting we'll have those five um, student scrutinies and um, we're also having two external sabbatical officers coming from other unions every time to like feed in to the discussion of the student scrutiny panel just so they can potentially sometimes contextualize things and put in perspective like whether what we're doing is a lot of work or not a lot of work or whether it's hard or not or whether it happens in other unions or not so things like that and after that they're giving us like a grade like, pass or distinction or high pass things like that um and then it's all being like released and published on the website if people want to have a read and like ask us any further questions or something like that we haven't had our first one yet uh because obviously we've only just started but um yeah that's basically how it works
0: okay so as you said you haven't had your first one yet but um, as a student, how, how do you when you had um other officers in roles, um how mm-hmm. did you kind of feel about that as a as a way to kind of hold your officers hold your officers accountable? Kind of from the from your student perspective, what was your thoughts on that? You know, from a student perspective,
1: I definitely rate it like I think it's a great idea. I think everyone does need to be accountable, really. Like, and I think um I need to admit I'm not that knowledgeable on how others use hold their officers to account but I definitely think that is one of the ways to do that and it does work Um, and I think if anything um, last year's scrutiny panel they were really on it and they were like more active than ever and they were coming up with all those great questions and stuff and I came to a couple of scrutiny panel meetings as a student Um, so yeah um, I think it's a great idea as an officer I am kind of terrified not because i don't think i've done a good job but you know it is a lot of scrutiny to put yourself to uh so i am both excited but slightly nervous for whenever whenever it is to come uh
0: well i think yeah i think it's natural to be nervous about any of those things as, as sit, going to be sitting on the other side of of the um, of the table so i think i think everyone yeah, would exactly feel the same so i definitely wouldn't worry um just kind of to round out this conversation because i think we've gotten gone into a lot of interesting things that i think a lot of our listeners will um really appreciate and really kind of enjoy your insight but looking kind of to uh and your officers as an officer team um how do you feel like um as a team you're going to be working um especially kind of not being in the same office and is there kind of any work that you've um, started or wanting to start um, that actually is cross um, officer because I know especially within unions where you have kind of individual officer remits um, the majority of your work is focusing within your own remit but actually that cross collaboration stuff can be very important.
1: Um, oh yeah I have a few things to say about it actually first of all I've I'm thinking we've elected the sickest officer teams that's yet to come. So I'm actually, I absolutely adore all our full-time and part-time officers as well. So we also have seven part-time officers who are more focused on like a specific demographic of people. So like an international students officer, or gypsy plus students uh, officer and so on so forth. Um, uh, yeah, um, I think so far we've been really good at communicating with each other. If anything... There is more pressure on communicating constantly because obviously you don't just randomly bump into each other in the corridor in the SU building anymore. Like, you do need to keep the constant communication going. And I think we've been good at it with our like work chat and everything. Um, We do have weekly meetings where we all sit down, we update each other on what is happening um, and discuss like different issues that are relevant to more than just one of us. Um, And from now on, we even start having, like, two meetings per week just so we can also, like, catch up as people because it is important to just know where everyone is at with their lives, you know, how everyone's feeling. So we're having, like, a work meeting, which is, like, a long two-hour one every Friday, and then we'll have, like, a little catch-up, smaller one that we're just having to just chit-chat but keep our personal relationships going. Um, You know, the funny bit of it, if anything, I think the communication aspect was slightly Better than it will be in normal life because now we would be able to sit in meetings, like the online ones. Um, and whilst we're in a meeting, like I can always just pop in our work chat. Like guys, so we're discussing this. Like, what do you think? I need some insight to come back with. Realistically, that's not going to be possible in real life, and you'll just be sat there in a meeting, and you'll have to decide things and if it's wrong, it's wrong, you know, but um, you kind of just try your best whilst now we're constantly able to, like, ask for each other's opinion. Um, So I think that is an interesting part of um, doing it in COVID and, like, doing it as a team. If anything, yeah, I feel like we are more of a team because of it. Um, I'd also say I would kind of disagree with you with regards to having officer for each remit and just work within it because I think I'm not sure if it's just us, but we do have a lot of projects that are across, um, like across different remits, across different offices, and we do work together quite a lot. Like every single day, at least one of the meetings that I'm present in, uh, I will have a different officer in as well, um, and we will be able to feedback from the points of view of our remits and like do, we do discuss it really like collaboratively and as a team um so yeah um like preparing training and like welfare training um we just i literally just finished a meeting before this podcast with our sports officer our liberation officer and our welfare and well-being officer discussing um how we're going to prepare welfare training for student groups in this interesting time um before that I had a meeting with community officer and our union development officer talking about how we're like um talking about a residential body on one of the campuses and how we can like establish one because that's also a part of several of our manifestos so yeah no i would definitely say it wasn't but if anything it was good for our team because we did do really work collaboratively at the moment
0: um well that's, yeah. that's amazing that's amazing to hear i think i i think with uh um with what you're saying that the within your team that cross collaboration and that and cross is still alive and thriving, which is excellent. So thank you very much for recording this with us. We really appreciate it, especially being the thank first you. person on our on our podcast. Would you like to kind of uh, plug any of your socials? Where can we find you? Where can we uh, keep up with all the great stuff that you're doing?
1: Of course, I'm always up for a shameless plug. Uh, so you can add me as a friend on Facebook on my Dennis Lelen L-E-L-I-N, um, SU account um, or you can follow your NSU activities officer page on Facebook. You can follow your NSU underscore activities on Instagram. You can find me Dennis Leland again on LinkedIn um, to keep up with all of my updates. Oh, your NSU underscore activities at um, what's it called? Twitter. Um, My name is spelled with one N. So actually once you spell Dennis with one N, I If you have any other SU connections, I will probably be the one to pop up. So that's me. Please follow, like, subscribe, all of that.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you very much for joining us again. And it'll be great to see um, maybe coming back uh, June and seeing how how you did and what you've achieved. 100 percent.
1: Yeah, that will be very exciting. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of question 26 the students union podcast if you enjoyed this episode make sure you rate us on the podcast service you're listening to and share us on your social media we'll see you again in the next episode